local authority areas throughout Wales has fallen below 100 cases per 100,000 of the population. This is encouraging, but we must continue following the rules and guidelines to maintain this trend. The public should also be aware that the level 4 restrictions remain in place in order to keep infection rates falling and that you should stay at home, meet only the people you live with, work from home if you can, wear a face covering, wash your hands regularly and stay two metres from anyone you do not live with. Dr Davies spoke further saying that the Welsh Government has announced that the revised vaccine strategy will mean that every eligible adult in Wales will be offered a first dose by the end of July. In addition, adults with severe or profound learning disabilities and those with any mental illness that causes severe function, functional impairment will be invited for vaccination as part of the JCVI Priority Group 6 and the Welsh Government has published guidance on identifying eligible individuals in these groups and how to support them to take up their vaccine offers. The Welsh Government has also announced an expansion of workplace and community testing with workplaces with more than 50 employees now eligible for support to regularly test their workforce helping to reduce the spread of the virus and allowing them to operate safely as primary school children aged three to seven years in foundation phase return to face-to-face learning this week we thank parents for their perseverance during the winter we need your continued support to control the spread of coronavirus so please do not send your child to school if they are unwell even if you are not sure if they have coronavirus and please continue to work from home when possible i'm charlie james and you're up to date on pure west Well, a very good evening and a very happy St. David's Day from Pure West Sport. And we have got a busy hour coming up. In fact, the last 20 minutes have been pretty busy. We've not even been on the air live on the Facebook page. Hope you've enjoyed the first hour. Loads of great interviews in there as well. Excellent work from the team this week. And coming up between now and nine, we'll be joined by the Scarlets team manager, Sarah Davis, to talk about her role at Parker Scarlets and why she's speaking out on the issue of social media abuse in sport. Looking forward to talking to Sarah. But first, on the back of an exciting Six Nations in Cardiff with Bill Kahn, Fraser Watson and Gordon Thomas. How are we all doing, Bill? Are you well? Yeah, fine, thanks. Delighted with the win on Saturday. I was hugely impressed and no little surprised. So uh, well done to Wayne Pivac and the boys. I still think we're getting our share of luck with decisions, but that was a good win, Ben. Gordon Thomas, what was your prediction for Wales-England? Just remind us, right at the end of the show, right at the end of the show last Monday, what did you say? Not one to gloat, Ben. Not one to gloat. (laughs) Wales would win. I think you were the only one on the panel, weren't you? Well, there we are. There we are. We'll leave it at that. He changed his mind. (laughs) Well, he did change his mind, but he made the right decision. Fraser, what did you make of it on Saturday? Very good evening to you. How are you? Yeah, very good. No, happy to admit I, I was wrong on that one, Ben. Um, 
so many talking points from that game, wasn't it? Obviously, the referee will go into that now and, and England's in discipline as well, aside from those decisions. But I think what's critical, you know, there's been so much talk about Pivac being under pressure, wasn't it? Anarchy in the camp, Byron Hayward going, Sam Warburton coming on board, then going. That seemed to be a, a clouded exit as well. But there's been three tight finishes for Wales now and they've come through every one of them. And, and if mm. you don't do that if you haven't got cohesion and, and a, a mentality of togetherness. So it's a good sign. And I don't expect any problems in Italy. For Wales, so lo and behold, we're going to be one game away from a Grand Slam, which is amazing, really, isn't it? When you think of the mood around the camp after the autumn. Oh, no doubt about it. So many talking points to come out of the weekend, and let's get your views on the Facebook page as well. Uh, so I think we should pick up on Fraser's point. Bill Gordon, can Wales win the Grand Slam? They can. I still, you know, think they'll be hard pressed against France, but who knows? You know, they're playing. I didn't think they'd beat Ireland. I didn't think they'd beat Scotland, but they're playing. They're battling hard. I, I was pleased with some of the changes for, for Saturday. I still thought one or two were a bit off the pace, but it was a cracking win. I thought the forwards really played well. One or two didn't play as well as other teams, but that's rugby. But in the end, I was hugely impressed by the back row. I thought the two boys in the second row played well as well. I, I can't fault that. That was an epic win. Gordon, as the man with the magic touch with predictions, can, can Wales win the Grand Slam? <laughs> no, they won't win the Grand Slam, Ben. Uh, I think France will be too strong for them uh, out in France for the final game, as long as they're not all uh, covid uh, Wales played very well on Saturday. Uh, they, had, they had a little bit of fortune for the first two tries, but uh, overall the pack went well. Uh, I was impressed with Kieran Hardy at scrum half. I thought he had a fine game until yeah. he went off with a hamstring injury. Um, Ken Owens throwing in at the line-out was excellent. It was important to get the set-piece right, and uh, Wales certainly did that against uh, the old enemy, and they thoroughly deserved their victory come the final whistle, whether they were moaning a little bit about the French referee, which we will now debate. Let's do that, because Gordon mentions that the moments of uh, the controversial moments in particular in that first half. So what, what do we think of them? That, that first uh, that first moment and Owen Farrell was was clearly upset about the fact that he said that England weren't set up and ready to go. What, what did we make of that? I mean, I, I think taking all allegiance out of the situation, I don't think either were tries. You know, I don't think you, you can tell a captain to go back and speak to his players. If you feel he's taking too long, you know, you, you can tell him to get on with it and get back. But he didn't give any warning. Of course, there were water boys still there. And of course, the second try we all saw as well, he lost control of it. I think it went forward and I don't think it should have been allowed. But I don't think that masks things and the problem with discipline, you know. And, and at the other scale, where Wales have been so good in this championship, they have been very disciplined. They've been almost watertight, you know. And for all the controversy, seen the talk of gifting Wales 14 points you know that game was was level at 24 all in the final quarter you know it was there for the taking and it, it was. was then when England lost their heads gave away three successive penalties yeah. within kickable range it's all unforgivable for a side of that experience you know we're talking World Cup finalists not so long ago and just, they let they let Wales off the hook so to speak they had all the momentum going in so whilst I you know, I, I wouldn't be biased and say I thought they were tries. I, I agree why why England there was a bit of uproar about them. I agree why they were angry, but I don't think that masks what was a terrible display of indiscipline. Now, England's discipline was poor. There's no doubt about mm -hmm. it. From 24 all, uh, I, I thought that they they really did throw it away. Bill and Gordon are just edging forward to come in on on, on this. Bill, go on. Yeah, I, there's no doubt. Like Fraser says, those tries you go go by the experts and you look. 
Um, when you got Sam Warburton saying that first try was no way a try, and Nigel Owens was saying that was clearly a knock-on, that was never going to be a try. 14-0, but as Fraser said again, 24-all, I thought, right, England got this now. They got the momentum. They're going to wrap it up. But they lost their rag. I mean, the, the fellow who played came on as a scrum half for Ben Youngs. When he's 6-0 down and then you give a stupid penalty for obstruction, you go 9-0 down. Callum Sheedy, I thought, was brilliant. He was. You know, to go 9-0, you've got to change your game plan again. And you can't just keep playing attacking rugby and hope for a try and a conversion. You've got to hope for two scores. And I, I just thought, from 24 on, I thought Wales were brilliant. They still had a bit of luck. Interception led to a try. But you've got to take your hats off to them. They, they outplayed England in that last quarter. And that's when it counted. I have to say, I, I'm, I'm delighted at the humility on the panel this evening. I did think I was going to get a bit more stick. Gordon, are you going to carry on on that theme? Or are you, are you going to say yeah, both tries were fine to stand? Yeah. I agree with the boys. The first two tries were a nonsense, really, weren't they? But uh, there we are. We had lady luck and uh, you'll take it every day of the week. Um, when it was 24-all, I was I was delighted for Callum Sheedy who came on a fly because mm-hmm. yeah. he'd been criticised that he wasn't a, a goal kicker, a recognised goal kicker. And, I mean, there was no more pressure than a game against England. And I, I, I know it was in discipline on behalf of England, but he still had to kick those kicks, and he did that brilliantly. And that put pressure on England. And uh, then when we worked our way back up the field and Corey Hill cantered over under the post or crashed over under the post, I thought, well, fantastic. Wales were brilliant. And as Fraser pointed out, they were virtually watertight as well. They, the discipline of the Welsh pack and, mm. uh, well, all of them, they, they they did their jobs 100%. And I thought, well, fantastic. What, what, what a way to do it. And put 40 points on England. Who would have said that in the autumn? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. yeah indeed. Uh, Noel Lyons has said Itoji was the man of the match for Wales, I, I would suggest. And he, he probably was because he, 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 he was guilty of giving away penalty after penalty there's no doubt about it uh, let's let's get some views on Wayne Pivak because we, uh, we we spoke quite a bit in the autumn about Wayne Pivak and the job he was doing and I think there was uh, there was cynicism from the three of you about yeah. Pivak and whether he could cut it at the international level that, that must have changed now on the back of these first three wins it's it's changed because he's put things right Ben I mean look I, I'm, I'm not going to withdraw it. I don't think the criticism in the autumn was unwarranted. I know you had all the mitigating factors about it being a COVID year and the disruption and so on, but Wales seriously did look a team without direction, without a game plan. It looked quite aimless. But, you know, I think perhaps we all thought that Pivot was going to come in and play this enterprising style. Wasn't it almost one of the, the one positives about the gap and departure? There'd be better rugby to watch. And we perhaps all assumed that was coming quickly, but you need the platform and the ball to do that. And Wales, for me, have had two major problems, which which they sorted out. The line-out, which in the autumn was awful. It was poor against Ireland. It was poor against Scotland. On Saturday, and you've got to credit John Humphreys for this as well as a forwards coach, 90-odd percent success rate. So first of all, you've got a platform there straight away. Haven't you? And the other one is the breakdown. And I think this is a point that's been widely ignored. Pivak at Scarlet's was very successful with that attack in open style, but a lot of it came off turnover ball. And he had people in there like James Davis, like John Bartley, later on Josh McLeod, you know, sadly mm. injured now, who would win the and the Scarlets would do a lot of quick counter-attacking off that ball. And a lot of the chaos they created came from that. Now, in July, during lockdown, which went largely under the radar with everything else going on, the law was changed, wasn't it? It was changed, it almost curtailed the jack leg. Mm, right? yeah. So it wasn't so easy. Yep. So the basis of PVAC's success, which a lot of people assume you bring into the Wales coaching sector then had to change as well. So we had to make alterations as well. So 
perhaps there was the style he wanted to implement, he couldn't necessarily do, and it's taken him time to adapt as well. And, and I think that aspect has certainly been a lot better. We just mentioned it. Wales can see far less penalties at the breakdown in the Six Nations than they were in mm. the previous games in the PFAC. So I think he may have had to make an adaptation as Wales coach, which he didn't expect to, but he's done that and the side have done that. And, you know, they're not <clears> finished <throat> article by a long way. We all know that. We're not getting carried away even no. after three wins, but they certainly look a much better outfit now. Mm, indeed and does this just put Eddie Jones under a bit of pressure now I think because yeah. we've two games to play I think England are staring down the barrel of a pretty miserable Six Nations campaign um, but Wales definitely deserved it and we're going to talk to Sarah Davis in just a few moments and let's get some of your reaction on the Facebook page as well I should ask you chaps and I did say at the start of the show wishing everyone listening a very happy St David's Day today uh, how have the three of you marked St David's Day Bill I can imagine a Welsh cake in, in, in the Khan household today not not a Welsh cake has touched my lips today. We had a nice walk up in Fishguard along the Parog and had a cup of coffee in the Ocean Lab for the first time. It was lovely. But one last word on PVAC. It's, it's St David's Day, so I'll say Gowney Wells, which is we'll wait and see. We've had a lot of luck. Mm. Some golfers say the more the harder you work, the more lucky you get. So who knows? Very clear. But I'll wait, yeah, I'll wait and, and see with that. Um, can I just say as well, spare a thought from Saturday for Steve Varney. He was injured in the pre-match yes. warm-up. Yes. Yeah. And what a blow for a very talented young boy. I'm still a huge fan of his. Gareth Davis, don't talk to me about him. He's done really well, hasn't he, yeah. as well? No yeah. doubt about it. Varney actually has done very well I, for Italy. I did think of you, Bill, when the Gareth Davis box kick went up, which led to a Welsh penalty for the TV kick to put Wales six <laughs> points up. Mine. Yeah, but did you think of me when he had one charge down and he lost ground <laughs> and his three other box kicks, he lost ground? That was luck. Nothing else, but... Yes. Right, we will take a moment and we'll be back in just a few moments. We'll be back live on the Facebook page as well. Uh, Sarah Davis is the team manager of the Scarlets. Whitland alumni as well. Fraser's wanted to get, I think, a bit more of a Whitland presence on the show for a few weeks. So Sarah's a, a former Whitland ladies player, but she's got a great background in the men's game in particular as well, making her mark as team manager of the Scarlets and speaking out about social media abuse that sports players get. We'll be talking to her in just a few moments' time on Pure West Sport. Join us every Friday for the 2.30 kickoff as Haverford West County take over Pure West Radio to bring you the latest news and developments direct from the Bridge Meadow. Team news, transfers, new signings and the latest changing room gossip from the Cymru Premier side. Miss the final whistle? Well, listen to the Haverford West Bluebirds podcast by visiting purewestradio.com. Our club, our county, our community. Haverford West County, AFC. Ah, enemy ahead. Fire. Where? I can't see them. Right there. Fire. Oh, man, you missed again. You need to get your eyes tested. Nah, mate. I ain't got the cash for that. You're in college. You can get an eye test for free. Really? From where? I'm with Mags Optics. They're in the Riverside Arcade in Haverford West. Sick. I'll check it out. Eye tests are free for children under 16 and those aged 16 to 18 who are in full-time education. Glasses up to £85 are free for students aged 18 and under with an NHS voucher. Call Paul, Tina and the team on 01437 767744 or go to magsoptics.co.uk to book an appointment. Mags Optics are the proud sponsors of The Gaming Show on Pure West Radio. This is Pure West Radio. Flickering shadow 
rules of love on her blind She was my woman As she deceived me I watched and went out of my mind the street to her house and she opened the door She stood there laughing I felt the knife in my hand and she laughed no more My, my, my Delilah St. David's Day on Pure West Radio. I'm Ben Stone. It's Pure West Sport with G&G Builders, Fraser, Gordon and Bill uh, here, of course. And we want your comments as well on the back of Wales winning the Triple Crown. They've been very generous to me tonight. I did expect much more leg pulling from the three of them, but magnanimous actually looking back on that. But keep those comments coming. And we're going to talk to our guest this evening on the show, who is the Scarlet's team manager. Fraser, are you going to introduce Sarah for us, I think? Yes, pleasure to have Sarah on with us tonight. And not just saying that because he's at Whitland. Thank you, Ben. But current Scarlet's team manager, great experience in the game, also been Dragons team manager and manager of the Wales 7 side as well. And she's been in the news of late for a particularly poignant issue. And I think one that's resonated with a lot of people. And Sarah, we're going to come on to that in a minute. But firstly, how are you? And um, probably imagining good spirits. The Scarlet's a bit of a tricky time over Christmas, but you come through it and a great win in Edinburgh on Saturday, wasn't it? 
Yeah, really well, thank you. Yeah, you know, the boys put in a massive shift against Edinburgh on Saturday. It was lovely to have a 12 o'clock kickoff in the sunshine in Murrayfield, which none of us have ever seen. And uh, yeah, I think it's our first win up there since 2013. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but it kicked off. It kicked off a good Saturday for Welsh rugby. That's for sure. But um, but sorry, just like I mentioned there, you like to say you have been in the news of late. A piece you actually wrote in the Scarlet's program, and that was on your reluctance to go on on social media. Just explain to us a bit about that, and, and what triggered you to write it in the first place. Uh, yeah, like you say, it's poignant, definitely this week. But but at the time, um, I was actually watching Wales versus Ireland. And it was 79 minutes and 30 seconds into the game. And and Gar, you know, kicked that ball into the Irish 22. And that's all I could think was, oh, this could be tricky uh, for, for Gar mainly, you know, if this doesn't end well. And then obviously everything happened. And um, my heart literally broke for Billy Burns. Like, I don't know the guy. Um, obviously, I've seen him play at Ulster and... For that to happen to a to a young, reasonably inexperienced player on the international stage, and then to see some of the stuff he had to put up with on social media was, mm. yeah, literally heartbreaking. So it just sort of propelled me to write something around how a lot of people have been feeling the last the last few months, really. Mm. Uh, read, reading the article, Sarah, the, the bit that really stuck out to me was the fact that obviously the, the players read the comments that go on Twitter, but it's not just that. Their, their families, their friends read the, the abuse they get as well. And I thought that that really stuck out. When people make these comments on Twitter, they, they don't think about the impact that it has on, on, on a player's wider circle. And, and in your role and all your experience in rugby, you must have seen that. And it, it does have an impact. Yeah, definitely. Like, like I'm not not going to say all the players read stuff. Some of them, you know, can put it in a box and and not think about it. But like you say, their families will, their friends will, and and even if the player hasn't seen it, their family will tell them about it. And and that's only coming from, you know, a good concerned place. It's never to make them feel bad, but they'll let them know that it's there. And yeah, it's been happening more and more, especially as I mentioned in the article. Like, COVID is or the fact that people are locked indoors a little bit has made people a lot more eager to mm. sort of say things on social media, you know, willy-nilly almost without thinking and, and thinking of the effect that it has on, on people. Mm. Do you actually um, get together as a group, uh, Zara, to sort of discuss uh, the problems that you are highlighting there? Uh, do you advise players what they should be uh, putting on social media or not putting on social media? Do you have sort of any advice you give them? Yeah, we've, we've got people who work in our media department who, who advise them, you know, around the sort of do's and don'ts. But it's really difficult not to bite, you know, like... Yeah, I understand that. ...something personal. It is hard, but we, we always advise them sort of not to go back and say anything that they wouldn't say to people in, in person... Yeah, yeah. But it's just a shame that it doesn't work both ways. Because it is a balance as well, isn't it? Because obviously you want sports people to be on Twitter to try and engage with people who are watching them. And it's a great tool to do that. So that must be a balancing act as well, how they get the best out of using social media without having to put up with some of the rubbish that, that also kicks around on there. Yeah, you know, you look at someone like Kasim with us, like he's a social media superstar. Like the, the fans love him and his interaction that he has with them on there. And 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 generally, you know, 
people are really good, but then you will have those odd one or two and mm. it's, it's just a tough balancing act. So I think if we want players to continue having that sort of output, then yeah, you've got to be a bit more careful. Yeah, absolutely. Have Bill. you ever come to the extreme where you have to take somebody off social media at the Scala, Sarah? Um, no, you know, we've advised them to, to quieten down a little bit, but a lot of yeah. them at the minute going and making that decision on, on their own. Yeah. If you start looking through Twitter and searching for, for players at the moment, you won't find them. Yeah. Mm. Bill? Yeah, so influential people like uh, Piers Morgan say there's an easy answer, you just come off Twitter. But it's not the answer because everyone's got a right mm. to use it for good. And I feel very strongly that it's time this government says to the people like uh, Facebook and Twitter, everyone must have proof of their identity, identity when they log on for a, uh, whatever it is, the feed. I don't look at it much, so I don't understand it over much. But... You know, they, everyone's got an inalienable right, right to freedom of expression, but it must be tempered by that it's got to be fair and just and equitable. And I really think it's time that we try as a group in sport, in politics, in religion, mm. to put pressure on the government to say, no, you've got to get this stopped. You've got to put pressure on them to say they cannot allow this. As you say, if you went up to someone in the street and threatened to kill them or maim their children or whatever... It's totally, totally wrong. And my heart goes out. If you've had it, the, the young girl who asked the questions, I thought she interviewed very well with England yeah. and, and Wales. It's got to stop. I that's, really a, that's a great example, actually. And, and let's maybe get some comment on that because yeah. Bill, Bill was mentioned about Sonia McLaughlin and the, and the abuse she got that actually led to her getting into her car and actually saying, I'm in tears because of the abuse I've got on social media. Mm -hmm. Sarah, when, when you read something like that, it's just unbelievable that, that someone can be made to feel that bad on the back of people that they don't know writing rubbish on Twitter. And it really hits home, doesn't it? Yeah, of course. Like, it, it must have been awful for her. I mean, she is literally doing her job. She is doing yeah, the yeah. thing that she is paid to do. And, like, having work, you know, working in that environment, I can guarantee there's somebody in her ear, in that little earpiece, telling her to carry on, keep pushing, get these answers. This is mm. the time we want to go down to. Yeah. You know, she, she could have stopped, but, you know, she could have lost her credibility as a journalist and, and her job. So, mm. you know, I think people need to understand that there's probably more to it than it's not her sort of framing the questions in, mm. in that way. She, she was probably being pushed. I, I don't know what Fraser, Fraser, Bill and Gordon think, but I, I thought, I thought she asked the, the questions that needed to be yeah. asked. That, that's Absolutely. a job. I, I, and there's, yeah. there's no excuse for any of the, the abuse she took. And, and no. it was a controversial game. There were controversial yeah. moments. And yeah. to be fair to Owen Farrell, he's entitled to to answer the question how, how it's been asked mm -hmm. as well. I don't actually think he did much wrong. But no, to actually send abuse to someone deep. like that is terrible. Go on, Fraser. I think it goes deeper, Ben. And I want to touch on this with Sarah now. Yeah. Female rugby has come a long way in the last decade. Female representation in sport has come a long way as well. But I'm, I'm interested to know, Sarah, do you still feel vulnerable as a female so to speak in that you are in a role and there's no escaping it which before you is predominantly male dominated it if not all i'm not sure if you're the first female scarlet team manager but certainly the, the balance between male and female and the coaching coaching staff has been heavily in one favor hasn't it and it, it, it's not just with that you look at women analysts are still in the minority and and i look as well and we've talked about mclaughlin there which is good but also it happens in other sports don't you, you look at football I mean, Karen Carney, Karen Carney, 
gave a perfectly valid view, in my opinion, on Leeds. She got abused for it. Now, every time Karen Carney slips up, she gets pillars on Twitter. And I listen to other pundits. You listen to, you've got talk sport, Alan Brazil making gaffes all the time. Dean Saunders, I once heard him preview a, an Ashes test between England and Australia on day England was playing Ireland, not Australia. And there were a few laughs about it, and there were a few barbs on Twitter. But Dean Saunders, Alan Brazil, never got the abuse of a Karen Carney mm, gets, mm. for example. Do you mm. still feel vulnerable just because you are a female? Um, I'm not sure sure vulnerable is the word. Um, I probably never admit to that being, mm. being in the role I do, but it, it can be difficult. I think you have to be extremely good at it, um, you know, or really on that edge, because I think if you can't back yourself, then, then there's not many other people going to back you. So, yeah, I guess the, the word vulnerable just makes me a little bit nervous. But, yeah, but what uh, I mean is it's almost with women, there's people waiting for the ridicule, isn't there? There's people oh, yeah, 100%. Ridicule, and like, you know? I've had some yeah. brilliant comments from supporters in different regions and things like that behind me, but you you do just have to let it go over your head and realise they, they probably would say that to anybody who's there. Yeah. No, but you were brought up in Whitland, Sarah, so I fully understand how you cope with that. <laughs> yeah, pretty used to it. <laughs> let's talk, we'll talk Whitland in just a second. Let's just, just, all night, just on that, Sarah, <laughs> that article you wrote, we'll, we'll, I've retweeted it and we'll put it out there because I thought it was it was brilliant to read that yeah. and actually see someone coming out and, and saying what yeah. you did. So well done for doing that. It's an excellent article. And, and yeah, well, it is excellent. Anyone listening and watching tonight to, to have a read of that. Um, can, can we talk about your role as team manager, though? Because um, I, I bet you, you do all sorts. Tell us about what does a typical day look like for you as team manager of the Scarlets? So I don't, I don't think there is a typical day, <laughs> which is uh, always exciting. But, you know, for me, a massive role is sort of like the day-to-day logistics operations of the place you know the travel um everything getting ready for weekends um general you know putting the training schedule out making any changes telling people where they need to be and when what they should be wearing making sure they're all right but then a a massive part of my my day-to-day role I guess is just checking in with people like normally I can tell when someone walks in in the morning whether they're in a good place bad place need a chat need a coffee, need a clip around the ear, you know, <laughs> they're all different. And, and I think you learn character wise, like, like, you know, if people are quieter than usual or louder than usual, it's just taking the time to just check in with everybody, players and staff. Bill? There is a, is there a way of compartmentalizing it, Sal, because I know when you got appointed, a well-known local rugby player said to me, she'd be brilliant. She's from Whitland. She'd be brilliant. She'd do all the washing, all the ironing. She'd darn their <laughs> socks. She'd sweeten their ties, put them to bed. No, that's stupid to say it. We know that. But we laugh about it in a way. It's this violent, aggressive stuff that's got to stop, isn't it? Because it doesn't, they're, not, they're not sports supporters. They're just not human beings, really. They, they thrive on making people unhappy in any walk of life. So, you know, do you, do you have that philosophy? I'm sure Mum has given you this, the basis for that, to say, I just turn it off and ignore it because it's not, it's not aimed at me. It's just aimed at society, really. Yeah, 100%. Like, I've played rugby since I was eight yeah. and been bought up, potentially dragged up in Whitland Rugby Club and you know, <laughs> you, you just learn to get, you know when things are 
banter as people say and when it's a bit of a laugh yeah. and when it's a bit of a joke and when people sometimes people just want to get a bit of a rise out of you and yeah and see that they can but then there's like you say there's times when it's just uncalled for and and cruel and, that, and that's the stuff that the people yeah. need to be more mindful of really is just cruelty around it like we're all for a bit of fun we're all still rugby people at the end yeah. of the day you could probably you know have a drink with us all in a rugby club and uh, and get away with most things but uh that line of cruelty is uh is getting closer yeah. and closer i have to say sorry and you mentioned whitland it's great to have a whitland legend on the show finally um yes tell us tell us about your links to to whitland rugby club um, and obviously fraser of course uh whitland's been a big part of his life as well and um, first question for me because this is something bill and i have often laughed at over the years is whitland kamar than sure pembrokeshire when it comes to oh. <laughs> So obviously the name the borderers gives it away. It is sort of half in and half out. And I think in terms of rugby, it sits in um, District Eight, which is Pembrokeshire. Yeah, um, so, yeah. yeah, it's a, it's the district, I guess. Spot on. It's spot on with the answer. Yeah, that's yeah, the same yeah. answer I've had over the yeah. years. Go on, Fraser. We have more Pembrokeshire guys than those, those big spenders down the road. You've got always <laughs> as well. So yeah. <laughs> Oh, actually, though, so back to you, both team values. One thing I want to ask quickly is uh, your role during COVID, it must have doubled mm. up, is it? The amount of extra responsibilities you have now. Uh, yeah, it's, it's an eye-opener, and we're still learning every day. You know, there's things we're doing on a daily basis now that maybe we weren't doing at the start, and vice versa, the stuff we were doing daily when we first started coming back in groups of 10, um, that we're not doing as much now. You know, it's just learning, but you won't, well... I can't even begin to explain the things we've been through. But, you know, the, the yeah. great stuff is we're, we're tested regularly. The boys are really good. You know, it's tough socially distancing in rugby and it's tough separating from being sort of on the field and off the field, but everyone's doing their best. Sure. The mask stuff is, you know, is good. The, the mask etiquette mm, is yeah. uh, very good in work. So, uh Get a lot of faces. The challenges, though, of, of going through this COVID period must have just been bigger than anything anyone's ever seen before. And, and having to adapt your work and being around the club, everything has, has just changed, hasn't it, over, over the last few months? Yeah, it, like, well, let's hope it never happens again. But, you know, there's things like one-way systems and, like I said, the masks wearing, the hand hygiene, the, the testing. Like, it's yeah. just surreal. Mm. Absolutely surreal. Go on, Bill. Yeah, just taking it back to family. I mean, you've been an excellent uh, administrator, a team manager. Uh, everyone I speak to in Clenethy speaks highly and in your previous job as well. But you'd have to give tre- credit, I suppose, to mum, to Sue, because without her, Whitland probably wouldn't have had. She's one of a few that wouldn't have would pushed the Whitland ladies and their work with the Scarlet. You paid tribute to her, I'm sure, so wouldn't you? Yeah, definitely. Like, I wouldn't have had a club to play with once I'd finished university if it wasn't for mum starting the, the team when, when I was away. And, you know, the the commitment she's shown to the club over the years is, is unbelievable. And, like, I take pride in knowing that that's what she's done and I try and use a little bit of that every, in my everyday work. Secondary of the club? No, itself, isn't she? <laughs> Probably, Bill. <laughs> yeah. Yes, she is. Yes, she is. Final question for me, um, and you don't, it doesn't have to be a scarlet, but over the years you've been a team manager, Sarah. What's the most, um, what's the most unusual request you've had from a player <laughs> that you can share with us on the radio? Um, I bet you've yeah. had some good ones. Don't, don't say no, no. 
<laughs> yeah, I think you try not to stitch anyone up here. No, you don't have to name anyone. <laughs> um, I have a general request for stuff like headphones, um, batteries, lighters to burn socks is, is one of the newer <laughs> ones. So, you know, they cut their socks to wear the grip socks. Yeah. yeah. They, we burn the bottom of them to stop them raveling. <laughs> so they're like, have you got a lighter? So I've, I've had to learn to carry a lighter in my rucksack. <laughs> Just in case someone needs to burn their socks. That, that was massive on the sevens, especially. Like you're washing, you know, the, the boys are getting changed three times a day and all of these things. And you're just like, yeah, here it is. I've got it. <laughs> My bag's like Mary Poppins. It's like one thing after the next, after the next. Oh, that's great. Uh, I don't think you've I don't think you've given anyone's identity up there at all. So I think you're safe. I did try really hard. <laughs> <laughs> Sadie has said um on the Facebook page. Great to see Sarah representing women in sport, Scarlet's, Whitland's especially, and the recent post was brilliant. Keep at it, Sarah. And we completely agree that that yeah. article you wrote was was fantastic. You're doing a great job at the Scarlet's. Thank you ever so much for being with us this evening on the show. Thank you very much for having me. Excellent. Thank you, Sarah. That video will stay on the Facebook page uh, and we will make sure we put on social media that article that Sarah wrote as well. We're going to be finishing the show by talking cricket before nine o'clock here on Pure West Sport. The Valero Community Update on Pure West Radio keeps you updated with the various projects Valero are supporting in Pembrokeshire. From sports clubs, schools, charities and musicians to members of staff from Valero who volunteer their time. We hear about the latest community projects Valero do to support our community on the last Wednesday of every month at 9.30am and 5.30pm, only on Pure West Radio. If you miss it, catch up on the podcast at purewestradio.com. The Valero Community Update. At KO Carpets, you know quality is assured. We've been your local family-run business for over 40 years. We're widely recognised as Pembrokes' leading supplier of domestic and contract flooring. We provide full end-to-end service, free measures and estimates, free delivery and free fitting by our professional team of highly skilled fitters. Come and see us at Vine Road, Johnston, or drop us an email, sales at kocarpets.com. We're a knockout at flooring. West is best on Pure West Radio.
Snow Patrol and Chocolate on Pure West Radio. I'm Ben Stone. It's Pure West Sport with G&G Builders. I thought Sarah Davis was brilliant, the Scarlet's team manager. That video will stay up on the Facebook page. But uh, Fraser, obviously, you know her from Whitland and from, from the past. And, and Gordon, you know her well as well. And uh, yeah. I just thought she spoke so well. And, and about her her campaign to, to stop abuse of sports people on Twitter. It really resonates, doesn't it? Yeah, she spoke very well. I mean, she's an excellent communicator. That's one of the reasons she's in the role she's in, obviously. And uh, when she actually wrote that article, she wrote it as a programme note. She didn't actually expect it to go viral on Twitter, she said. But because it, like you said, resonates with so many people at the moment, it's a really prevalent issue. And I think a lot of people associated with it, and that's why it got the reaction it did. So, um, yeah. Excellent to have her on and to hear it. And quite brave for her to come on and speak about it live as well, to be fair. Yeah, I mean, her role has increased tenfold because of COVID as well. Mm. And, and we're living in a, a social media world now. So she has to sort of uh, get to the players and talk to them and get them to understand not to react. It's a very difficult job, but she does a very good job of it. I think if you, if you go around, Gordon, pro rugby clubs, the role of team manager is probably oh. the most versatile role that you'll come across because they just do everything. And they have to have a breadth of knowledge about the, the game, about tactics, yeah. to be able to get the respect yeah. from the players and yeah. just to be organised and, and all that sort yeah. of thing. And by the way, if you're watching on the Facebook page and, and you're wondering where Bill is, um, we are as well. Uh, hopefully he'll rejoin <laughs> us. We've got a lovely view of his wall at the moment. Uh, hopefully Bill will be back and he's OK and be back with us very soon indeed. Uh, but when he does, he'll uh, we'll have to remind him that we are live at the moment. So hopefully Bill's OK. Um, we'll talk about the cricket because we've got the cup draws all made in Pembrokeshire. Cricket resuming very soon. Uh, let me just touch on a couple of bits from the, the weekend's football Gareth Bale gentlemen is back oh here's Bill there he is there he's back he's back with his cup of tea Bill just so you know we are live we, we, we are live we have been for a couple of minutes but you just take your time <laughs> or your own pace that's all, all okay yeah, right. uh, yeah it's no rush it's St David's Day it's St David's get Day. on with it is that, is, exactly no panic <laughs> Mr Childy is tonight um, Gareth Bale is back chaps I would say good performance for Tottenham at the weekend good news for Wales going into the Euros yeah, we were all uh, wondering whether he was going to get any game time with Mourinho, but he's uh, certainly had a few games lately and two goals and an assist on uh, the weekend against Burnley. Uh, and we're all uh, happy that he will be uh, leading us in the Euros mm, he, he if it goes ahead. On song, doesn't he? No doubt about it. First goal was a touch, but the second was a stunner, wasn't it? Yeah, mm. and he just looked he looked confident again. I he think. looked sharper, doesn't he? Yeah, mm. yeah. Did you Mourinho saying if he was pleased, still not the guy he was when he went to uh, Spain? He said if he was, he wouldn't be here now. <laughs> There's probably something in that, to be fair. Isn't yes, there? But, yes. but actually, he is a, yeah. he is a different player to the one that went to Spain. He's not going to run up the left wing and and. The pace is still there in patches, but I think he knows how to how to manage it. No doubt about that. Um, a couple of other lines from the football at the weekend. Um, West Brom against Brighton. I, I mean, we've we've all played football. When the referee says you can take a quick free kick, blows his whistle, you take the free kick and score. The goal should stand, should it not? Yeah, it, it, it's it's so fast. It's farcical, but it's a weekly debate now, isn't it? it it's almost got tiresome, and people. People just don't know what's going on anymore. You li- I listened to a replay of the commentary on the radio when that was going on. They had no clue what was going on. It's, no. I don't want to go as far as say it's spoiling the game. We all called VAR. It does have its plus points, but they need to have a, a serious review of it once this season is out because it's becoming the t- major talking point far too often. Mm. It was questionable was some... what, why VAR even was involved, Bill, with, with that decision. Well, there was something about the VAR officer telling him that the uh, goal should stand and then telling him it shouldn't stand. 
So it wasn't only Lee, whatever his name is. Is it, is it Martin Lee Mason? It was Lee Mason. Yeah, Lee Mason. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't only him. It was the bar ref. And some of those, to, it seems to me, look at situations. It's got clear the handball, the handball law. I mean, that's a pass at the moment. Mm-hmm. You know, there's uh, pure accidental handballs. Referee's always got his side on that. But it just yeah. seems to me, it took, all the game is focused now on, on bar. You know, if a guy is leaning for puts his hand out to tell someone, get it in there. And that's offside. That's to me, that's crap. That's, that's yeah. taking a soul of the football. Gordon, did you stay awake for Chelsea nil, Manchester United nil? Yeah, I did. I did. And I have to say that Man United were robbed, boys. They really were. That was definitely a penalty. Actually, Bill was saying about the VAR. They they were, they played for about a minute after that incident and the referee was called by VAR to have a look at it. And that, you know, basically saying this is a penalty. But mm. to be fair, I, I thought it was on the edge of the 18-yard box. Both had their hands up and it did clip the Chelsea. And I, I, I went with the referee, actually. I thought it wasn't a clear and definite penalty, but I've seen less given. Mm. I, think that's it, the prob- I think that's the yeah. problem, God. You could see that yeah. you compare it to decisions earlier in the season, it's a definite yeah. penalty. And we're almost yeah. changing directions mid-season all the time now. Because yeah. because of the outrage, you know, that's not who she should be. You should be changing rules no. mid season. But anyway, no. let's move let's move on because we've been here all night. We? Yeah, we will. We could talk about VAR forever, I think. Did. Football is back for Haverford West County this weekend, which is great, actually. Yeah. It's it's felt like it's been a, a long time. Uh, Bill, they're at home, aren't they, to the the students, Cardiff Uni. Yes, they are. two uh, thirty kickoff. Looking forward yes, to it. it? Is. Oh, yeah. I'm very much so. I'm looking forward to going. I think Fraser's coming this weekend, Gordon's working. Are we really on here now? Yeah, we are. Bill. Oh, <laughs> yeah, Bill, we've been. A... I hope we are. <laughs> so yes, yeah, so just we'll just oh, we'll just okay. let Bill know we are definitely on air. And, and well, I just went to get a drop of water. I thought yeah. you just you know ripping. No, no, no. Yeah, you, I spoke to Wayne George. Can I just say you've been, you've been very professional, Bill. Thank you. And, thank you. and you, you haven't said anything uh, that might the bring the show into disrepute. Yeah, of course, um, that's right. uh, do do try and be back for the for the cues, but carry on. Yeah, I stop interrupting. Then I spoke to Wayne Jones this afternoon, quite early on before we came on, and. He's got a full squad other than two. Uh, Kieran Lewis is injured. And sadly, they played two friendlies so far. They drew nil-nil with Barry right. and won all uh, last weekend then with Pennebont. Sadly, in the Barry game, um, Jack Wilson hurt his, uh, I think, knee ligaments. He's going to be out between four and six weeks. So that's a body blow for um, Wayne and for the Bluebirds because Jack's been in good form. But everyone else is... Um, Fit and well. They're training tonight in Carmarthen, and uh, they're then training um, uh, in midweek as well, prior to the game on Saturday. Mm. So I, I'm looking forward to it. I know Fraser and chooses him and Gordon. Sadly, can't go to this one, but he'll be at the next one when they're playing a new Saints. So yeah. it's lovely to see a bit of sport yeah. being played, boys, isn't it? It's, yeah, it's good. And you'll be covering it for pembrokeshiresport.co.uk. Excited, Fraser, to be watching football back at the Bridge Meadow? Yeah, it's going to be quite strange, isn't it, watching local sport again? It's going to be a good measure to see how far after us have come, actually. On the opening day of the season, they went to Cardiff and actually had a credible 0 0 draw. Um, bad, run, bad run of results after that, and then they picked up. So it's, it's, it's actually going to be quite intriguing to see how not just half the rest, all the teams react because it's been such a long period of inactivity. Remember, yeah. this was only originally a two week break, and it's been yeah. extended way beyond that. So it wouldn't surprise me if, if we almost have a reset now and some random results again. Because players haven't been able to train until recently either. You know, I know no. friends that have been going no. on as late. So it's almost like starting again, 
for what is a very short push and a very short. Push. Are we, we going to see this first phase uh, finished uh, to conclusion, or after they done, are they going to do the top six and the bottom six? Does any of us have an idea if they're going to go ahead and do that? They're, they're yet to confirm, but they, if they can get to twenty-two games, they can call it yeah. a season uh, without yeah. splitting. Yeah, and then we'll have the arguments about who goes up and who mm. goes down and the European yeah. places. Oh, yeah, yeah, we'll go through the... We'll have all that. Most of the mm. yeah, nobody, nobody's going up, but it might be a couple coming down, I think. Mm. So the, the game on uh, Saturday, Hampton West are seventh going into it, Cardiff eighth. Um, so they'll, they'll be looking to to kick off this restart with, with a win. But I guess, as, as you say, Gordon and, and Fraser and Bill, the, the, the form issue isn't really a thing, is it? Because no, no, they no, haven't no. played for so long, so it, anything could happen. And I, will, I will say this, sorry, and Bill's right, using Jack Wilson's a hammer blow, he's one of the shining lights of the season in the whole league and they not just Halford West but I think Halford West have got a chance now to really come on and achieve something for a first year back in the Premiership I know Wayne Jones is in the side of caution it's your first year back and you just want to stay up and he's always said except for being one place above the relegation zone but I hope they don't have that mindset because they've got a real opportunity now to push and have a top half finish and if those playoffs were to go ahead to even be in them yeah exactly you know I hope we do see them come out with some real intent now yeah, let's hope so. Okay, uh, looking forward to that, and, and we'll have loads of uh, build up, and we'll be talking about having for West County. It'd be good to have uh, some sport to talk about again. And cricket isn't far away either in Pembrokeshire. We've got the uh, Pembrokeshire League fixtures confirmed. We hope all being well for the twenty fifth of. April, uh, which is a Sunday. And I did actually ask Fraser previously and, and, and Bill and Gordon will probably know the answer to this. I did ask, why does the season start on a Sunday? And it's a historic traditional thing, apparently, because it's all to do with when um, when football and cricket overlap. So they, they always agree to, to start on the Sunday, which I thought was good. And um, this is the draw for the Harrison Allen Bowl. First round uh, commencing Monday, the 10th of May. So uh, this is the first round draw and, and we'll get some thoughts on who you think is going to do well in this this year. Saundersfoot v Carew, Whitland against Lamphy, Johnston against St Ishmael's, Electrid against Langham, Larne against Pembroke Dock, Haverford West against Cresselli, Stackpole against Fishguard and Fraser Watson Slamrian as they're called versus Hook. What do we think about that first round draw and who do we think is going to do well in the Harrison Allen this season? Gordon Thomas. Uh, well, we look, we the big boys will be Kiru, Crisselli, uh, but the favourites will be Nayland. They'll be the team yeah. to beat this season, definitely. Uh, Halford West have lost the dock, so uh, they'll be under pressure uh, in these type of competitions. So, yeah, Nayland, Kiru, and Crisselli, I can see as uh, a good, uh, you know, put your money on them for the Cups. Bill? I think you're going to argue with that for... Uh... A gentleman like Gordon, that's a very good appraisal. I can't argue with that. He watches a lot of cricket and he knows his stuff. The big game, of course, is Halford West against Cresselli. Um, Kero have lost Tom Davis as well, their captain. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that's a loss for them. I can't underestimate the part he played because he's a very good all-rounder. Um, so Kero might struggle a bit with that. Nayland, the head and shoulders. It, the big thing I say, Ben, I don't the others think, if you take each individual, say, of the 12 or 13 Nayland players in consideration, every one of them would get into every other team in Pembrokeshire. Cusellis wouldn't, and neither would Hanford West, and neither would Carews. They wouldn't all walk into other teams. And Nayland are so strong now with the inclusion of uh, Ross and... Um, yeah, Brad, yeah, and Brad, that they haven't got a weakness. They, in fact, their problem is keeping everybody happy now. But it's a nice position to be. So you have to, you have to go for Nayland. They, they've been massively successful in the Dougie Morris. I can't see that changing. 
have you got them in the Dougie? No, what have you got them in, Trace? Second if, round. If, if we get past Tuck, I did speak to Sean Hannon in the first hour. He, he was quite magnanimous. He concealed his delight at the fact that Nayland have a bye and then possibly San Rihanna at home in the second round. <laughs> no, they <laughs> Yeah. You, I hope you told him they'd be travelling down the road to <laughs> Yeah, I part of me hopes so, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, you yeah, can play, no, play in the Alec Collie then. I mean, look, and he, he, he was also he was quite honest as well. You know, you see Hafford West and Cresselli, two of the people who expected a challenge, and one of them's going out in the first round. It will be interesting how Hafford West cope without Simon Holiday. Obviously, it's Carew's first league team that Tom Davis. For Carew, actually very impressed in Harrison Allen last year. They did the horrendous draw, didn't they? They had to go to Whitland mm, in the first round. Yeah. Then they had to play Cresselli. And they ran Nayland very close in that quarterfinal. Now, Carew haven't got an easy first up. They're away at Saunders Foot. In Harrison, they were semi-finalists a couple of years ago. They mm. know, they'll know the likes of Tom Mansbridge, talented young players, you know. And they're a dangerous side. But if Kerry can get through that, I expect them to be the major challenges for Nayland for Harrison Allen Bowl. But I don't think anyone could deny the Nayland the favourites. They're such a well-oiled, efficient unit now. And, and there's no weaknesses there. Okay, uh, looking forward to that. Looking forward to the start of the, the cricket season in Pembrokeshire, twenty mm. fifth of April. Harrison Allen to come. Uh, the Dougie Morris Cup draw was also made. Let me just quickly run down those, and we'll get some thoughts on on those from from the three of you as well. Uh, they're coming up on the seventeenth of May, so the week commencing May the seventeenth. Cresselli St Ishmaels, Langham Haverford West, Narbuth against Pembroke, Pembroke Dock against Whitland, Lamphy and Nayland, and Hook and Lorenny will be the first round matches there. Any games there, chaps, that catch your eye? I mean, the first round, if I go pretty much to script, what is interesting is Cresselli and Halford West, we just talked about the Harrison Allen Bowl clash, they both win, they're meeting in the quarterfinals again. Um, you know, Nayland, they've won, they've won this trophy six out of the last seven times, so we don't want to repeat ourselves. How can you go against them as favourites? But I think it's their way to Lamphy. You'd expect them to get through. That won't be easy. Lamphy in Division 2, but still Nayland should be too strong. And I believe that's a possible quarterfinal then against Lorenny. Now, Lorenny are a very good side and they've proved a very good cup side in recent years. They've reached three yeah. finals, couldn't get over the line in either of them. But Bill touched it there. Without Brad McDermott Jenkins, they're going to be a different side. You know, he's a huge hole to fill. And um, you, again, it's just difficult to look past Nayland again. Mm. And I don't okay. know what the others think. Yeah. Yeah, yep. nailing, nailing all the way, I'm afraid. Yeah, it's a competition for all the teams that have won the mm. league or the Harris Allen Bowl in the past, Brent. So it's an elite uh, mm. set of matches, if you like. But there is still a huge disparity because, you know, Lamphy are in that now because of their time when we spoke to Dave Lovell. And they're not half that side now, whatever we say about them. Um, you know, clubs like... Um, the Docker in there, Bill. The Pembroke Docker in there, you know, when they were actually not Pembroke Docker at that time then. They were. Um, mm. They didn't play in Berlin. They played on a hard wicket in Britannia. And they, the club was called Britannia. But they're not the sides they were. And there's still a hardcore there. In that game, Spraise is right, Lorenny can beat any side on their night. So can St. Ishmael's. Because they've got bangers, they've got people who can hit the ball very hard. And if they get a quick 50, God knows what could happen. But you still have to say the four top sides, which under a side like that as well, but the four top sides still remain as Nayland, Carew, Criselli, and Hanford West. And it'll, I, I, one of those will win it, I'm pretty sure. Well, well okay. an interesting tie, though. I, I said Hanford West being in the quarter final there, <laughs> made preempted that. They've got to go to Langham in the first round. And Langham, you know, they've got game changers as well, haven't they? You, you William Beresford's and anything yeah. like that. They can who, who can take a game away from you if you're over. So I don't think they're going to be up there over the course of a league season. They're not consistent enough. But they're a dangerous cup side too. 
Yeah, the yeah, last year they Alfred West have had the hex on them. Langham haven't scored many runs mm. against Alfred West. But as you say, it was a dock out road. Anything could happen with that. Yeah. And at Pill Park's lovely pitch for in sixes. Yeah. Going to be plenty you know, of cricket to talk about. And I think we'll yeah. get detailed analysis of Fraser's contribution this season as well from the Test two match of you. starts on uh, Wednesday. Uh, I was yeah, going to say, yeah. test match to come. Uh, can England square the series no. against India? 3 1 nope. India. That's what Can't see it. Gordon? Yeah, definitely. Spinners will win it. No yeah. problem. Uh, I mean, that last test match, we haven't really mentioned much about it because it was over so quickly, wasn't it? But it was it wasn't good, was it, for England? That and I think I think no. when Joe Root takes a five for you've got to look at the pitch as well. But yeah. I think England's selections looked a, a little bit ropey throughout. Pitch worst performance. Yeah, uh, Peter yeah. said um, agree with a comment I heard over the weekend about VAR. Um, abolish the pitch side monitor and just let the VAR ref make the decision. There's something in that. You could actually get to a point where we don't have any referees on the pitch in the Premier League and just let them watch the TV and make the decisions from there. Probably would get more right. No, you can't do that. You don't have official. This is the danger. So so much power away from referees. At least that's why I like with cricket. You've got the umpire's call. There is still a responsibility to the umpire. You've got to feel feel a little sorry for the ref because every move they make is scrutinised over and over again. Endless replays. So-called experts in the studio looking to criticise the refs at every sort of turn uh, would be a referee other than the fact that they get up to 150,000 a year, I suppose. (laughs) (laughs) They're well paid. Noel's been back on and Noel simply says, hi, Bill, you are live. And I think that will probably be, will probably be the final word on the Who show today. That? Noel Lyons on the Facebook They tell page. him to go back to St. David's and meet up with Fraser for an interesting conversation. <laughs> He'll probably tell you to Lions get a glass of water. <laughs> We're just a bit worried. Is, is it just water in there, Bill? Definitely. We, we hope so. Well, listen, it's been an excellent show. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank you for not taking the mickey too much about the England game. We we will yeah. be back again. We'll be back again next week. And also don't forget to join us Saturday morning between eight and nine as well. A very happy St. David's Day. Enjoyed your company. More Pure West Sport next week. It's the Red Thread next with Tim Cooper. From For Pembrokeshire, from Pembrokeshire, this is Pure West Radio. I'm Charlie James and here's the latest for Pembrokeshire. There have been 15 new cases of coronavirus recorded in the Hewell Dar Health Board area according to yesterday's figures. The figures from Public Health Wales showed nine new cases in Carmarthenshire, two in Pembrokeshire and four in Ceredigion. Across Wales, 247 new cases have been confirmed and 16 new suspected COVID-19 deaths have also been reported by Public Health Wales. The total number of cases in Wales is now 203,625. Seven more deaths had been recorded in the Hewell Dar area, with the total standing at 457 throughout the pandemic. Across the whole of Wales, 920.